the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus is the king of the sea and the king in the fish kingdom. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And as a reminder, you can always turn into the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest, either online or in person. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled The Fish Kingdom. We hope that you enjoy it. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the first part of the fish kingdom. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Let's pray. Father, we want Jesus. We want the Bible. We want to be saved. And so we seek the fisher of men. May the hook, the net, whatever you use, work in our lives and for others. In Jesus' name, amen. I like fishing. You figured that out. Not everybody likes fishing. I mean, we live in an urban area where some young people say, fishing? Yuck. Do you realize that fishing is the primary metaphor used in the Bible for saving souls? It is the picture that captured the culture of the early church. The early church was named after a fish, and I'll prove it in the sermon. So bear with me as we focus on fishing for Jesus. The title of the message is The Fish Kingdom. Now, in raising my boys, fishing played an important role in my family's life, no doubt. I grew up in Appalachia. I knew hunger as a young person. I learned to fish to eat. I don't know if I would have made it if I hadn't learned how to fish. My brother was just commenting on the phone to me a couple of weeks ago that he hates fishing because he had to do it to survive. I love it because I learned to survive. We have different attitudes toward it. I throw them back now, but I know how to cook them if there are people in between. Now, my wife hates fishing, I believe, but she loves the fishermen in her family. A lot. She let me take my two boys fishing a whole heap of time, and it was huge. We have fished in different ways over the years. We started out using worms. Raise your hand if you learned to take that worm and put it on the hook when we went fishing a few weeks ago. Raise it high. Wasn't it yucky and challenging at first? It was. But you got into the task, you put it on, and what was the outcome of doing that? You caught stuff, didn't you? You have entered the club of being a fisherman. I am proud of you. So my son would put those yucky worms on there, and that got old after a while. We had to advance to bass lures and plastic worms, and Bass Pro started making lots of money out of us. We spent hundreds, uh, more than hundreds of dollars, on fishing equipment. But shortly after, I remember at the bay, at the Chesapeake Bay, we hooked a monster We were out there at night. In fact, I'd stay out all night. We'd camp out right there on the side of the bay at Kenton Narrows. And we hooked a monster. It just started reeling our line. I'd never know how big that thing is because it took it all the way out and broke the line. Probably a 20-pound-plus fish. 
Then we got extremely sophisticated about fishing after that. We went to fly fishing. I'm going to come here for a children's story as soon as they put me on the list. And I'm going to show you why fly fishing matters in a spiritual kind of way, okay? I'll show you with my fly rod with no hook how to cast it right down the center of the line and how keeping your eye on the target matters. But shortly after that, my son started learning to fly fish. He's hooked big fish, 27-inch fish, 5-plus pounds right there in that area. We learned to fly fish. When my boys were quite young, I taught them how to catch brook trout with their bare hands. Now, that's what I call skilled fishing. We caught them up at the Savage River Reservoir, and it's kind of like this. You stick your hand in the cold water of a brook underneath a rock, and you start feeling for the trout because they're hiding under there. And when you feel something that's cold, slimy, and it has a little movement to it, then you move your fingers up its slimy body until you feel the sharp gill plate, and then you close your fingers, you squeeze your hand hard, and suddenly the fish is in your hand. I'm serious. It works. And when you pull it out, you have a brook trout. Now, I was in California before I went to the Marshall Islands as a student missionary, and I caught brook trout in California in front of seasoned Adventists who'd never seen a fish in their life. And when they saw me go into the water with my hands and catch trout and show them, they were horrified. How did you do that? I said, it comes from living in Appalachia. It comes from growing up in the mountains of West Virginia. It's skill, mind you. And when you squeeze that thing hard, you pull it out, and then you can throw it back. I'm going to try to catch one with my bare hands to show you I can do this, okay? (laughs) Now, if it's a fish you pull out, you're fine. If it's a copperhead snake, you're not fine, so you better know how to do this. I don't recommend everybody do this. I know how to do this. Now, one year when I was fly fishing with my older son, John Michael, I caught a 22-inch brown trout at Gunpowder Falls with my bare hands. I did it. It was the ultimate fishing experience, a native surge of victory, adrenaline. Yes, I did it. See, fishing has rewards. When you catch something, and it's almost impossible to catch that fish, and that fish ends up in your hand or your net or whatever, there is a sense of joy that you have caught a fish. Now, how many of you have actually caught a fish in your life? Raise your hand. We have some fishermen here. I used to brag a little bit about the fish we caught until I met a man who literally put me to shame on how to catch fish. Just down the road, there's an Afghani restaurant, and they're good and nice people. They're quiet folk. As I was standing in line one day, I turned to the subject of fishing, started monologuing about fishing with him. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe trying to impress him about American prowess of fishing. I was telling the owner about the American art of fly fishing. You tie a little fly, you throw the line out, it matches the hatch, the thing rises because it looks like what's in the air, and bam, you have one on the line. I said, there's nothing like it. Now, he listened to me for a while, but before long, he grew impatient with me, with my American ways. He said, American fishing stories are hard to hear from people like you. So he stopped me. Stop. He said, you Americans don't know how to fish at all. We in Afghanistan know how to fish. You string and invisible line and smelly worms and little lures to convince those fish to jump on your line. But in Afghanistan, we don't waste our time with your dumb American ways. Now, he said that in kindness. It didn't feel that way at first. He said, we just take a piece of dynamite and we throw it in the river or the lake 
and there's a big bang and all the fish rise to the top and we just scoop them up and we go home. We have fish for six months. That's the way we fish in Afghanistan. I didn't say a word at that point. I took my bag and left. I said, this is getting intense. That's how you fish all right. Scary. The word dynamite comes from the ancient Greek word dunamis, which means power. Say it with me. Dunamis. Dunamis. It is a synonym for the word authority. We derive our words dynamic and dynamism and dynamite from that ancient Greek word dunamis. It means explosive authority, explosive power. It means explosive energy. Paul says in Romans 1.16 where he uses this word. Let's look at it in our Bible. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the dunamis, the power, the explosive energy of God for salvation. And then he says, forget the predestination stuff. To everyone or anyone who has faith. If you have faith, God's power comes into your life. If you express faith in Christ, the energy of the universe, the vacuum energy of the Holy Spirit comes to you, to the Jew first and also the Greek. God doesn't pick and choose who can be saved. God's love is for the whole world. The gospel is the dunamis, dynamite-like power of God for everyone who believes. The gospel is God's power to save the person you think could never be saved. To save the person you think could never be included. God is the hound of heaven seeking the soul that is lost. Same word is used in Luke 4.36. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 4.36. There's something good about opening your Bible and following along. And they were all amazed, the Bible says, and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. The word of Jesus was dunamis kind of power that changed lives. The same word is used here. Explosive energy that shackled demons and released people from their power. Jesus' teaching and word had explosive dunamis power to heal and to banish the unclean spirits. In Luke 4.14, Jesus received dunamis power because he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know that? Many people think they're baptized with the Holy Spirit because they get excited, they can jump up and down, they can say something that no one can understand. Now, I'm not trying to put any of that down. Maybe there's a context for enthusiasm. There is. But not engineered enthusiasm. Not enthusiasm that's made because you want an effect. That's called virtue signaling. The kind of enthusiasm that matters is a deep felt, heartfelt passion for the souls of men and women so that they can be saved in God's kingdom. Faith working through love produces energy. Why? Because it is built off of the word of God that comes through Jesus Christ into our lives. Friend, you may not be exciting. You may not have any kind of energy as far as the world is concerned. But if you are in obedience to the word of God, you have the power of God in your life. Spiritual authority is not based on religious emotion or personal excitement. It's not the product of strong feeling or religious fancy. It doesn't come from fast music and drums and rhythm. We live in an age where people think, well, if we can mimic the rock concerts of the modern age in the church, then suddenly we'll have the Holy Spirit. Nonsense. What we need in the church today is the compelling power of the Word of God to bring men and women in subjection to the law of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't come from ritual or tradition or ceremony either, or highfalutin theology or philosophizing. Spiritual power comes from the word of Jesus Christ. Jesus' word has power and authority to defeat Satan, to heal every disease, to capture your life and bring it under the kind submission of God through Jesus. So how much do we need the word? We need it a lot, don't we? It's indispensable in our life. In Luke 5.17, Luke says there was power with Jesus to heal. You cannot separate the power of Jesus' word and his teaching from his power to heal people. God's truth heals people. That's why the multitudes flocked to see and hear Jesus early in his ministry because they wanted to be healed. He ended his ministry with few people honoring him. It's amazing how the word of God heals, but in the end, most people reject the word of God. It's never the majority that in the end stands with Jesus. It's a righteous remnant that stands with Jesus. But you know what? God loves the multitudes of this world. We should never block out people in our experience because we are trying to follow him. So the multitudes flocked to see Jesus and hear Jesus. And Jesus didn't waste their time with Plato and Aristotle. He didn't occupy their attention with F. Scott Fitzgerald or Homer or Herodotus. He didn't pour through the writings of the rabbis to make his points more forceful. When Jesus taught the people, he taught them with the authority of God's word. There was power flowing through him. We are told in the spirit of prophecy that Christ's voice was like sweet music when he preached and taught the people. A compelling kindness in his voice. There's something beautiful about the power of the word of God when a person hears it simply and accepts it deep within as the very word of God. Now, I'll say something quite straightforward here. This is why people came to Jesus. Because they recognize in Jesus the word of God. Jesus had the words of authority, the words of life, the words of power to change lives. Luke 5, 1, while the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. You see that? I just read that verse. Let's focus on the lake here. In the Gospel of Luke, the Sea of Galilee is called the Lake of Gennesaret. Luke always calls it a lake. Other Gospels will always call it a sea. Why the difference here? Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. Jesus went fishing for people where they lived. That's what we learn in this gospel account. And so Jesus took his place by the lake, and they pressed him all about to hear his words of power. And they pressed him so hard, he stepped back into the sea. They were coming at him, and he pulled back, just in the sea. And where do you preach when there's no pulpit, no lectern, and no sound system? What do you do when the amphitheater is the mountain that surrounds you? Verse 2, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them. And we're washing their nets. So he sees people working there. He's in a work environment. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, that's where they're at. He's not in a synagogue. He's not in some amphitheater like Paul would visit at Ephesus. He's out there. He's adapting to preach and teach the word where they're working. This is a work environment, kind of like John Wesley, who would do the same. He would visit the great work centers of Europe to preach and teach to people where they lived, in the streets and otherwise. So Christ is here doing that. And there's a compelling picture here. The great messenger of the covenant is teaching and preaching in the great open areas of human association. Verse 2 says he saw some fishermen washing their nets by the sea. Jesus took the word of God into the workplace and the life of ordinary people, and he shared it right there. 
I was at a business here just yesterday trying to purchase some equipment for the church, looking out for it, because I'm trying to get vacuum cleaners at different places around here. A young lady walked up to me. She's one of the people that we have purchased a Bible for, her and her mother, and they don't come to our church, but I interact with her and others of her business associates at that place. They'll often bring their spiritual concerns to me, and I'll pray for them right there, and everybody stops in the place as we're praying and bowing our heads. But she asked me forthrightly, she says, Pastor Mike, what is your opinion on the reversal of Roe v. Wade? I said, well, that's quite a question. You notice I don't force that on people. And I gave her my answer from the Bible that a child is precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. That a baby is a child before they're born, not after they're born. And that God loves them, but he also loves mothers who have made mistakes in their life. We will continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you would like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that at the close of our broadcast today. You can also attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in streaming format on that website. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. When they have erred, he doesn't crush them. He cares about every person, this crazy enterprise of sin, so they can find a future and have a tomorrow. And she looked at me and I said, well, did that work? She said, well, I'm not sure. And then her associate turned to her and said, well, what would you expect? He's a man of God. He's going to give you a Bible answer. That was going on in that business. Whether they agreed with me or not, the point was it was a dynamic exchange of the Word of God with people where they live. Now, we can all do the same. What doesn't work is being judgmental. What doesn't work is coming down on somebody. And I've prayed. I've had a person recently ask me for advice on whether they should get married or not. I said, well, why don't you and your girlfriend come out to eat with me and my wife and we'll talk about it. And so my congregation is not just here. It's where I live. It's the community I live in. It's the people I interact with. Jesus took the word of God into the workplace and the life of ordinary people because that's where it needs to go. The word for fisherman in the Greek is halos. Say it with me, halos, H-A-L-A-S, and we get the word halite from it. Halite is the geological name for salt. Fishermen were called salts, halos. So he showed up with the salts, the old salts, as they were mending their net. So Jesus took the word of God to the salts. Now think about this, in Matthew 5.11, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples that you are the salt of the earth. Remember that? Now, we have something to plug in there. This may have been a wordplay on the Greek word for fisherman. Every believer is a fisher of men. They are a salt. They are someone called to be light, to share, and to help other people come to Christ. We are the ones who carry the word of God to the simple folk of the sea. In fact, the people of the earth are compared to the sea prophetically. So that makes every believer the salt of the earth. Now, if you're salt, what does it mean here? You are a what? Connect the dots. It's the word used for fishermen. So if you're the salt of the earth, you're to go fishing for who? For people who need Jesus. Exactly. Now think about this. When a fish is caught in Jesus' day, the fisherman drags the fish from the dark sea into the light. Onto the earth and onto the land, he uses the salt to preserve the fish he just caught. 
Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You catch the fish, you preserve them in the church. So salt is a fisherman, but salt is also a preservative for fish. Friend, the church is full of fishers of men and women who are salts of a kind, the salt of the earth. We are meant to be evangelistic and we are meant to preserve, to nurture those who come to the church. In verse 2, Luke records that Jesus sat down in the boat and he taught the people as he sat in the boat. Now Luke is deliberate with the record here. He could have said, well, he stood up in the boat. And he could have stood up in the boat. I can stand in the boat. Why did Jesus sit down and teach the people? When you sit in the book of Hebrews, remember he went to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God. It meant that he sat down as a king priest with authority. So when they taught in the synagogues, and Jesus was no exception, Luke 4, he stood up to teach and read. But not here. He sits down. Why is he doing this? Jesus is sitting down because he is showing that he has authority over the sea. He has authority over the fish. Now, who had authority over the animals in the Old Testament? Who was given dominion over the animals? Look at Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea. And the word man is Adam. Both Adam and Eve, in a sense, were Adam. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. They could point to the fish and say, jump, and the fish would jump. They could speak to the birds, and the birds would land on their shoulder. When you have dominion, it means they listen to you, and they do what you say. There's a reason why Jesus was in the wilderness in the Gospel of Mark with the wild animals, because he had dominion over the animals. He's the second Adam. There's a reason why Jesus can make fish jump in a net, because Jesus is the second Adam. When Adam sinned, he was driven from the garden. He lost his former dominion over the animal kingdom. And that's serious business. Because of that, we have to use hooks, nets. We have to catch fish. We have to lure them. We don't have dominion over them. In Afghanistan, they use dynamite because they don't have dominion over them. In America, you have to be wise and snare them with a fly rod mainly. But that doesn't work in Afghanistan, as you know. Solomon compared people to the fish who are snared in a net. We live in a world that's out of control. People are not under the authority of God in their lives. And so God's authority must reach the fish in the sea, the people in the sea of nations. Ecclesiastes 9.12 For man does not know his time. Like fish which are taken in an evil net, and like birds which are caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Sudden calamity is like being caught in a net when you do not expect to be trapped. I mean, we've all had it come at us. Suddenly, something we didn't understand, it hit us. We're in a net, trapped. We're like fish trapped in a net. So the people of the earth are the fish of the sea. The prophet Ezekiel preached that one day the fish in the Dead Sea would be, would be alive. There would come life to that Dead Sea. He described the river of life flowing from God's sanctuary to the lowest spot on planet earth, the deadest spot on planet earth, to make that place alive so it would become a sea of life. And where the river goes in the book of Ezekiel, the river of the spirit, the fish in the sea live. Trees pop up. The tree of life wraps itself around the spirit river. Ezekiel 47, 9-10, wherever the river goes, every living creature which swarms shall live. There will be very many fish for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. The other Gospels call the Sea of Galilee a sea, but Luke calls it a lake. Why? Because it's not a dead sea, it's a living lake. It's a living sea. It's fresh water. That's interesting, the Jordan in a way connects the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. 
To the north, you have a sea that is full of life. That's where Jesus ministered. To the south, you have the Dead Sea, full of death. New Testament Greek word for lake is used in the Greek Old Testament only three times. Psalms 106.35, Psalms 113, verse 8, Song of Solomon 7.5. Now here's the clincher. In every case, it always means fresh water. So when that Greek word is used in the Greek Old Testament of Jesus' day, it means fresh water. The Sea of Galilee was a fresh water lake that the Bible called, in other places, a sea. The Gospel of John calls the Lake of Galilee the Sea of Tiberias. Why? Because it represents the sea of peoples who lived in the Roman world of Tiberius Caesar. The prophet Ezekiel said that the salt water would become fresh water when the river of life of God's spirit reaches a dead sea. And that's why Luke calls the Sea of Galilee a lake instead of a sea. The Sea of Galilee was a freshwater lake fed by the Jordan River opposite the Dead Sea, as I said. Look at verse 10. Ezekiel says in verse 10, Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engalium. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. The prophet saw that the sea of death would become a freshwater sea, and fishermen in the future will catch the fish in the sea. Now in Isaiah 9.1, it talks about Galilee of the Gentiles. It says the land of darkness has seen a great light because that's where Jesus landed. And the Sea of Galilee that was a dark, dead place spiritually, like the Dead Sea to the south, experienced the living, flowing word and ministry of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit moved on that place. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude the first portion of The Fish Kingdom. We'll get together next time and complete this broadcast. And thank you so much for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, the address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you are certainly welcome to join us online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.